listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about... (laughs) We're doing some hard-hitting journalism. We're really, like, really, you know, thinking about the most important things in your lives. We're talking about the ideal bag for your book. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sean, aren't you glad you came in today? And we're interviewing uh, Kelly J. Ford. But first, what are you reading, Bria? Um, I am reading, um, I just finished a book. Um, by the way, I'm just going to let people at home get on a little reading glasses secret. We already recorded this once, so <laughs> we are. <laughs> but it didn't take. We had, we had some problems, so here we are so again. So this is going to be slightly sillier than it would have originally been. We are, we are been. a little delirious because we have recorded now this episode twice. Um, I There's an author named Megan Giddings, and I read her book. Uh, it was Her book, Lakewood, was on mm-hmm. one of my top books of the year a couple years ago, 2020? Yeah, it was 2020. Um, and uh, she has a new book. It's called The Women Could Fly, which is some kind of check a couple boxes for the glassers. It's got witches. It's got kind of like a government... Dystopia? Dystopia, government-controlled dystopia. Basically, it takes place in a world in which witches exist, but the government hasn't quite figured out what to do about them and is kind of uh, concerned about them, and they aren't sure exactly how much power they have, which I kind of like because it feels a bit nebulous, like... um, like, like the way it always is when there's a new thing and the government doesn't exactly know how to regulate it or if it should be regulating it. Mm-hmm. And but the problem is at this point it's women and they are they <laughs> wait have, hold on the government doesn't like women yeah. what and they have powers and basically by the time you turn thirty you're constantly under scrutiny even before this people there you're constantly having, having to answer questions like do you own a cat have you ever accidentally levitated uh, things along those lines and people can accuse you at any point of of having which tendencies they 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 will say like oh that that woman looked at me wrong now i have a rash she must must be a witch and then they'll take you away and question you and possibly end up burning you at the stake but this takes place in our modern world and by the time you turn 30 you have to make a decision you have to either be living with a man who is your husband or you have to register with the government and say like i'm not going to be living with a man that's my husband and then they're going to take away all of your autonomy basically and this is about a woman named Josephine. She's living in this world. And her mother disappeared when she was younger. And there was even like a, a 2020 uh, Unsolved Mysteries about her mother because people think she was probably a witch. So she's under, Josephine's under extreme scrutiny. And the book, basically, she gets a letter from her mother's lawyer that says, in her mother's will, her mother said if she goes to this island with this doll on this one date, she'll get like money from her mother's estate. And so she has to decide if she's going to go do that. She obviously has this fraught relationship because her mother disappeared and she doesn't ever know where she went. And she has to decide if she's going to do that. And she's 28, 29. So she's about to have to figure out if she's going to get married. She's been dating this guy. She refers to as Party City because he's a good time, but you never really know if you, you kind of regret being there or something. That's like the joke. Like, you know, you go to a shop at a Party City and you buy a bunch of shit and you're like, Oh, why did I buy all that? Uh, <laughs> it's so cheap, but it, I got what it, I got my money's worth. That's exactly how she feels about this man. And so she's like, do I spend the rest of my life with this man? I'm not even sure, but this is like just the timing of it. So it's dystopian, but it has, I think Megan Giddings' writing is very interesting. A little stream of consciousness, but very like character-based writing. It's all about this character and her inner monologue. Uh, and I just think she has great, great writing. What are you reading, Miller? So I've already read my favorite book of 2023, 
I can pack it up, pack it in, folks. I know we're still... Mallory's actually skipping all of 2023. She's, oh, yeah. I, look, I know we're all here in 2022. <laughs> Mallory's living in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the future, folks. This is a... I'm t- I have read... I, I got to blurb a book that you really should pre-order. If you would like to do me a favor, please pre-order this book. And when you, I tell you what it is, you will know why. It was a book that was made specifically for me. Grady Hendrix wrote a haunted house book. And I, my, it's like that, that cartoon wolf, you know, when his eyes go, wooga, wooga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when I got this email in my inbox, I was like, oh my God, what? Mallory, um, no, like your heart, the cartoon heart, you know, yes. beating out of your chest. You're like, and it's like carrying you across. It led me directly to my computer screen. Yes. So it's out uh, January 17th, 2023, and it's called How to Sell a Haunted House by Grady Hendrix, friend of the show, favorite of the Glassers and of both of us. And it's about this woman who has a sort of strained relationship with her family. They live in North Carolina, and she has, she lives in uh, San Francisco with her daughter, and she really wanted to get away from the house and the family. Um, but, and this is not a spoiler, she gets a call one day from her estranged brother that both of their parents have died in a car accident and her younger brother is the mess of the family and she realizes, oh shit, I've got to fly back home for the funeral and, you know, to get the, their house in order and, you know, my brother's a mess so I'm going to be the one who has to deal with it. And then she plans to be there for a week but she gets there and it's like, oh, this is going to be much more complicated than I thought because her and her brother immediately become contentious over who's going to control the house, who's going to get what money and they have to kind of band together to to sell this house and um, it's haunted. That's not a, not a, I mean, it's in the title, so yes, it's sir. not, but they, one of their cousins who is a realtor comes to look Wait, at that. what's the title? How to Sell a Haunted House. Uh, okay. Wow. So it's yeah. literally, Boom. what's that? Uh, one of the, one of their cousins is a realtor and she comes to the house and she looks and she's like, this is great. You're going to get a lot of money for it. This, this, uh, this neighborhood is really hot right now, but it's haunted. Uh, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta fix that before you, um, sell it. And they're both like, come again. Uh, and the brother thinks it's his parents. So he doesn't want to get the ghosts out and she doesn't believe in ghosts at all. So two things about this book. One, it is an incredibly masterful job of writing a story about, uh, the things that families don't talk about and how those things, those un- unhad conversations or destroy a family it also is the scariest fucking book i've ever read in my life Mm. i screamed at this book this book was so scary i it was like i read it all in one sitting and it was at 10 o'clock at night and jeremy my boyfriend was like i really want to go to bed and i wouldn't let him i made him sleep upstairs and next to me while i was reading this book so i could i did not have to be alone it is a five chili horror book it is so scary it is so beautiful it will emotionally destroy you but also annihilate you with terror it is maybe one of my favorite books i've ever read in my life wow i love it so much and please again please pre-order it it comes out in january you will not be disappointed if you love grady hendrix if you've never read grady hendrix before if you're looking for a scary book if you're looking for a great book about complicated families and 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 family drama it's just it's it's a masterpiece so that's how to sell a haunted house by grady hendrix and mine is The Women Could Fly by Megan Giddings. And I listened to about half of it on audiobook. And the narrator was Angel Pien. And uh, she did a great job. And Sean is reading. He doesn't want to say into the microphone. So I will do it for him. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is reading Sorry, Please Thank You, Stories by Charles Yu. So it's a short story collection. Um, uh, Bria loves you love Charles Yu I love Charles Yu and I think um, a sci-fi this, author this one is a sci-fi sci-fi short stories and I would say Sean's wheelhouse involves sad people uh, sad boy books sad, sad, boy sad books. depression depression leaning uh, books a little heartbreaking you'd like your heart to be just 
Just a little bit, like if your heart was made of glass, someone takes a little nail and they do a little tink, tink, tink. Uh, Sean likes the drizzle of books. Yeah, yeah, and that is Charles Yu to a T. Charles Yu is, uh, uh, likes to like break your heart just, just a little tink, tink, and uh, make you just a little sad. But um, I loved this book. I thought it was fantastic. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Heidi wrote in to say, I've only just discovered reading glasses and I'm now going back to listen to older episodes. We love when people write to us. People are continuously discovering reading glasses. I know, and going I, back. that was so long ago. I mean, when we didn't we even started. have a slide whistle back then. No, no, it's so true. Heidi says, episode 26 was about book covers and I thought I'd share a cute little thing that my kids do. I overheard them excitedly telling each other that they had hit the cover, quote. Apparently it's a term that they made up that means that they've hit the part in the book that matches the picture or illustration illustration on the cover. I'm curious if other kids use this term or if it's just my sweet, sweet reader babies. I love that they have their own little reader language. I love this. Although I think it's a more specific to kids books. Yeah. People with kids got to let us know if people, if they, if the kids are looking for the cover. Cause yeah, obviously, you know, my, the book I'm reading right now is just words like on the cover. So actually the women could fly. There is a, the, I hit the title at one point, which is interesting. Cool. Uh, I, that's probably a spoiler, but it isn't the fucking title, so I don't feel like I'm say, spoiling anything. I, that's why I don't feel bad about how to sell a haunted house because yeah, that's in a title. So maybe we, as adults, hit the title. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah oh, right. I hit the title. Pa- parents write in about your your reader kids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Victoria wrote in and said, "I just wanted to write in and say thank you so much for making a show like this. I've been listening to your whole backlog. A lot of backlog listeners. I yes. love that. I, I love when people get into reading glasses and they immediately be like, I'm going to do all of them. Uh, it's really nice to listen to people who are so enthusiastic about reading. Even if the books you talk about aren't something I would personally pick up, I really enjoy listening to someone talk about something you love. Also, I just realized that around episode 173, uh, I have seen Bria's movie 12 Hour Shift already. I think it was really good, and I related a lot to Mandy when everything kept going wrong. One wrong thing." after another hopefully i'll be caught up to present day episodes as soon as listening to the ones from the beginning of the quarantine is a little surreal yes i could only imagine yeah i, I like that i like that i mean i say i'm a filmmaker at the beginning but i guess you don't i don't say what i have filmmaked <laughs> <laughs> i i hope that this person continues to catch up and uh, finds out that uh, she's re- she's watched torn hearts but didn't watch torn hearts no. yeah that's great listen you too can find out what I have filmmaked. It is, uh, you can watch uh, 12 Hour Shift on Hulu at any point in time if you live in the United States And Lucky is still on Shudder, right? And Lucky is on Shudder. Two things I have I have made that if you haven't realized, that this is this voice you're hearing right now, you may have already watched those things I've directed. Uh, Jack wrote in to say, really, been really enjoying getting more into reading lately thanks to the show. I've been trying to find a good way to take notes while reading without actually marking the pages, my personal sacrilege. Keeping an index card for writing notes and important page numbers on it while reading the book has been really useful for me, and the index card can serve as the perfect bookmark. When I'm done reading a book, I can either leave the card inside the book or put it in one of those binder rings with a hole in the corner. If you journal, you can always glue it into your notebook, too. Not sure if anyone submitted something like this, but it's been a game changer for me and wanted to share. This is a really, especially we just did that episode about reader retention. It would be really cute to just keep a little note while you're reading and stick it on uh, are there index card in that you can write on because this is a good idea for a bookmark that's fun to make which is like a bookmark that you can write little notes on yeah actually the one of my uh favorite bookstores when i lived in brooklyn is a community bookstore and their bookmarks are lined 
Oh, so that's very smart. But yeah. I like, I mean, Jack has obviously figured out a way to do this. Jack's the, out here living in 2023 with me. Yeah, that's true. You and you and Jack both are in 2023. We're, we're both reading Grady Hendrix. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you want to read Jack's Wheelhouse? Yes. It's anything like Annihilation, Gay High Fantasy, Historical Speculative Horror, Absurd Deadpan Humor, and Heists. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month. You can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. Quick bookmark from me. I am going to be doing my last round of in-person 2022 events. I am really excited about it. Most of them are in California, but there's going to be one in Connecticut that I'm doing with Miss Bria Grant here. We're doing Story Fest on September 9th and 10th in Westport, Connecticut. It's, it's a huge thing. Big, big festival. It's really, really fun. But I'm also going to be in Sacramento in September in Ojai. Um, and in November, I'm going to be in Camarillo, California. And I'm doing a virtual event as well. So I'll put a link in the show notes to that. If you, this is going to be my last round after this. I'm cutting it off because I have to finish the book that I'm writing. So if you want to get your book signed, come out. Uh, say hi to me. Tell me what your wheelhouse is. Tell me what you're reading. The uh, This is the last round of chances to do that so again there'll be a link in the show notes i'd love to see some glassers at these events uh so before we dive into what makes the perfect book bag we're going to take a quick break reading glasses is sponsored in part today by microdose gummies microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of thc that help you feel just the right amount of good so you've probably heard about microdosing, but you might not know exactly what it is. Just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. So what does that look like? Some people microdose before they go to bed so they can sleep a little bit better. Some people microdose before they do some creative work to give them a little creative boost. I like doing it after I have power lifted to help my muscles relax a little bit. Maybe you are a person that gets really stressed out and you want to have something at night to help you wind down. Microdose gummies can help you do all of those things and more. They're, uh, like we said, they're entry-level doses of THC. It's not intimidating. It's not scary. Uh, it's not going to send you to the moon. It's not going to make you wear a lot of tie-dye unless you want to wear a lot of tie-dye tie-dye is cool, but it's not going to send you to another planet. It is either going to give you a creative boost or help you relax or help you sleep like a baby if that's what you want. What's cool is that it is available nationwide and you can learn more about microdosing THC by going to microdose.com and you can get free shipping and 30% off your first order with code glasses. So you can go to microdose.com, use code glasses. Uh, there's a link in the show notes. Uh, again, that's microdose.com, code glasses, and that's free shipping and 30% off your first order give it a shot why not microdose.com code glasses glasses this week greatest discovery becomes greatest trek that's because greatest trek is for way more than just discovery we renamed our hit show that's on maximum fun covering all the new star trek shows lower decks strange new worlds picard prodigy discovery and any other new star trek show paramount throws at us come find out why we're the most important star trek podcast on the internet with our funny <laughs> informative recaps of all the new star trek shows that paramount keeps churning out subscribe to greatest trek it's a new star trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation
this week, we're talking about the holy grail of many readers, the gold at the end of the rainbow, or maybe even better than both of those, because you could put the holy grail and the gold inside of it. It's the ideal book bag. But what makes a book bag perfect? And what makes one inferior? We are going to weigh in. Have we not done an episode about book bags? Who knows? The okay. world of reading is deep and wide. Yeah. Even though we've been doing this show for five and a half years, we still have a lot of stuff to cover. Um, so, Bria, tell me tell me about your book bag. Well, you know, I switch it up. I, I <laughs> you are up. you're definitely a a, a book a book bag multi hyphenate. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm carrying my backpack. Like if I'm traveling, I have a backpack, and I like to throw my Kindle or something in there. But you know, on my normal day to day, where I'm just going around town, maybe I'm going to the park or something. A lot of times, I'm just carrying my um, just a tote bag, and my tote bag currently is a uh, one for The Shining, the movie, and it has the twins from The Shining in it. And uh, I was at a grocery store the other day, and a a woman saw it and said, oh, my God, I love your bag. I was like, oh, thank you. And she said, American Horror Story, right? I was like, mm-mm, nope, that's not nope. right. But, uh, you, should, but you, you know, should, whatever, fine. You can keep a copy of The Shining around in your book bag. And then to I give hand to it to her, and I'm like, this is a game. Change your life. Um, yeah, so that's what I'm so I'm kind of that's what I'm sporting right now. What what have you been what are you carrying as a book bag? Oh, so what I what I usually use, I also have a tote bag, but the tote I have is from Big Bud Press, which is a clothing company I really like, and I love it. Uh it's got a lot of room inside. I could probably fit six books in there if I tried. That is a lot. Yes, of it's books. deceptively it's big. big. Is it a larger than their, your average tote? No, I think, but it, it is wider. Oh. Or deeper. Oh, wait. I'm bad at dimensions. Deeper, I would feel like, okay. No, it's I feel not like real wider. long. <laughs> yeah, it's a little long. Like you're carrying it. My it, whole touches, arm goes down. It touches your knees or something. <laughs> it's but, just a big tube. That yeah, I it's like a tube. So it's wider as in like it's more of like, you know, like the a bot- beach bag is kind of wide. Yeah, yeah. And so it has um, nice roomy outer pockets, nice roomy in- inner pockets. It's got a lot of girth. <laughs> it's a girthy tote. <laughs> I do like a girthy tote. Uh, I'm really happy with it. I like it. It's black, like all the other things that I own. And my favorite part about it, and really the the um, the zinger, is that the top can zip closed. Yeah, this is wild. That this is an amazing part because the problem with the tote bag is that you know you're carrying something around, you put it down on the floorboard of someone's car, and Next thing you know, you're missing a chocolate bar and your favorite book. <laughs> it sounds like something personal, Bria. <laughs> it sounds like something that has happened to me and made me very sad. Especially because, if you're carrying a bunch of books and it's kind of like packed in there. Yeah, if it's, it's packed, very oh, easy yeah. I feel for like it to slip out. Weirdly, if a tote bag is packed not very, if it's not packed like very full, it actually can hold a lot. The stuff will stay in. But if it is packed full, you're going to be losing something in there. Yeah. Your keys. I don't know. Something could fall out. For me, it's a, a book is going to slide out. Yeah. Like yeah. when you're on an airplane and you this put your great. tote on the floor and then it slides out and yeah. slides back a few rows. And yeah, then you yeah. have to be like, excuse me. Sorry. Um, uh, I think that this is very smart of Big Bud Press to make a zip. We don't, listen, we're not sponsored by them. Oh my but, God, but, but if a, we could be, it would save me so much money. On a on a tote bag is smart. I think they really uh, have improved upon the the tote bag mm. uh, world. Model, yeah. um, but what about, the, what about the backpack? So you also ha- have been known... Bria Grant, a known backpack user uh, as a book bag. What do you? What does the backpack rank? Well, the backpack's great because backpack you got multiple pockets. Mm-hmm. You can put. Sometimes I put my book in a tote bag and put it in the backpack. Um, I, 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 I love it. I, and I often call my backpack my book bag, which is very confusing because it is 
I, I think is that's it would be funny if you had it notebooks in it well sometimes i don't have books in it i'm just like hand me my book bag but my my like computer is in it that's what i used to call my backpack when i was in school but that's because i had all my textbooks in it right i think i just have taken that from school and carried it in, into my adult You're like all backpacks adulthood. are book bags all now. backpacks are book bags any bag can be a book bag really if any you try bag, hard yes. enough put a book in it now it is a book bag uh, yeah, I've never used a backpack for a reading bag, but I gotta say, I'm I'm pretty backpack curious now. Uh, Big Bud Press just started selling ba- like mini backpacks, and now I'm like, oh, should I get that because I like my tote so much? I think it's because but a mini backpack's gonna be not. It's gonna be. I mean, it's fine. First of all, I'm old enough to where I carried a mini backpack in the '90s, <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to be doing that. But I worry about the book size fitting a book into a mini. It's backpack. not too mini. It's pretty girthy. <laughs> Again. By the way, I'm putting some totes with zippers on it in our on our reading glasses um, uh, wish list. I uh, but I because the only the problem with the tote, especially if you're carrying a heavy book, which is why I try not to bring hardcovers out too much, is that they get it gets really heavy to carry on one shoulder. So like if you're out and about, like I I, I always have to have a book on me at all times. Like um, Jeremy and I went to the zoo recently. And we were walking around all day, and I had my book in there, and it was a hardcover, and it. I was like, man, oh, yeah. I wish I was wearing a little backpack, so I didn't. It yeah. wasn't like a, a big weight on one of my Evenly shoulders. Evenly distributed. Yes. yes, I feel this way about a water bottle. Like I always have to have a water bottle everywhere I go. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. makes things really, really heavy. All right, so upsides and downsides to both backpacks and totes. Sounds like we should we need to rank these. Yes. And because it's reading glasses, we came up with a ranking system for book bags, which is similar to our bookmark ranking system and just as ridiculous. So first quality, storage capacity. Right. So that's that's the ability to hold books. Yes. That which is the whole goal here of the bag. Yes. Uh, but the ability to hold enough books. And I think that's dependent upon the person. Like I need a little less storage capacity than Mallory needs because I usually carry a Kindle. So we would say the like the IKEA bags yes. are high in storage high capacity. High in storage capacity, not so high in some of the other things. Yeah, but so yes. the second one is aesthetic. Right. So they're low they're low in aesthetics. And aesthetics, again, depending on what what you need. But you know, you want a cute bag. You don't want, you want some a cute bag. A glass bag. You don't want an IKEA IKEA loud ass bag <laughs> carrying around, making being bright blue. What are you? Uh, well, I mean, it just looks like a tarp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a tarp with a with a handle on it. Yeah, yeah. Basically, who's got a who carries around a tarp? I was trying to think of an employee, uh, like an, someone who's murdered someone. Is... Yes. What are you, a murderer trying to hide a body? <laughs> I mean, I honestly, if you feel that, are you going somewhere where it's raining and you need to <laughs> you need to cover up cover up your lawn chair? <laughs> I do think what I, the IKEA bags are big enough that you could probably put one over you if it was raining. Oh, yeah. Why not? With your book underneath it. Yeah. Bria, you I could mean, probably you could fit an entire like a, you, you carry, in a bag. Yeah, definitely. You could carry a trash bag, and that would also have large storage capacity. But then you would look like a goblin. <laughs> yeah, or like you're just going to the to dump. The dump. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so one is storage capacity. Two is aesthetic. Three is comfort. It cannot be annoying to carry around. Again, the IKEA bag. High in storage capacity, low in comfort. But backpack, high in comfort because, mm-hmm. again, equal distribution yes. of weight. Yes. Four, non-book capability. So it also needs space and or pockets for keys, wallet, phone, other things that you carry around. Right, because otherwise you're carrying both a bag for your books and your purse. And that's irritating for me. No, no. you got to do it all in one. Yeah, I like efficiency. 
And then the last one is sturdiness, um, a thick material to protect the books. No one likes a thin book bag. Yeah, you don't want gauze. Gauze. Lace. You don't want just like a lace. I like an, I like an antique book bag that's made purely of A of doily? Lace, of a doily. Of a, of a ghost bride's dress. So it's like falling apart. Although now I, I kind of would want You do that. want that, yeah. That but not to thing. carry around. Okay, so... Storage capacity, aesthetic, comfort, non-book capabilities, and sturdiness. All right. So with all of these things, Bria, like you said, it seems like the ideal bookish bag is different depending on your reading needs. Sure. Yes. You're more of an e-reader or print reader. So what do you personally need to carry in your book bag? Okay. Um, at this moment in my life, I'm going to say a mask, mm-hmm. a chocolate bar inside a plastic bag so it doesn't get on other things, wallet, phone, maybe car keys, mm-hmm. um, and of course, Kindle. Which I don't put in a case. Which I was, it's very funny to me that you have a carrying case for your chocolate bar, but not for your Kindle. That's true. Um, so I'm going to say I need something pretty sturdy, not too sturdy, something that um, I could, I couldn't have like the Ghost Bride's uh, uh, dress <laughs> because I do, I like it to be dark because sometimes I do mess up, put chocolate in there and it gets on stuff. So I have to make sure I can't get stained. Why? I'm not, stunned that all your clothes are not just you just don't buy brown clothes uh you know it is a problem in our car because there's often melted chocolate on the seat. uh that is <laughs> but it must that is smell amazing in there um so yeah just i need i need you know those are my basic things i'm putting in a bag what about you what are you what are you putting in there um mine's pretty similar um mask hand sanitizer lip balm phone keys wallet sunglasses How are you putting on lip balm throughout the day 30 40 times a day what? <laughs> wait i have an important question is it carmex no because when I was younger, they used to say that Carmex was ad- addictive. What? And so, like, and I don't know if you've ever u- if you used Carmex in the 90s. People are going to back me up on this. It was awesome. Like, for some reason, you would use it, and you immediately wanted to put it on again later, even though your lips were nice and supple and soft at that point and Why? not dry. I think it was addictive. What do you I, mean you wanted to put it on? Like, you just wanted to feel it on your lips? It just was awesome. Like, you put it on, you're like, ooh, I love this. I don't know. I can't explain it because I have bought Carmex recently. Did they change the formula? I bought it recently, and it just don't, I do not have the same feeling. Sean, huh. do you remember Carmex? I've got two Carmex in my pocket No right shit. No, Is you do addictive? not. Do you feel like you, do you think of, because I remember no. thinking about it and being like, I wish I had some. Like, when I think about it right now, I wish I had some. So the addiction is still there, dorm, lying dormant. Yeah. I have I, never is, even it used is, Carmax. It is the MK before. Ultra of uh, <laughs> of chapstick. Carmax Ultra. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's gonna. I think about it. Like I think about it, and I want it. Like I don't know what was in it. Vaseline. Is it just Vaseline? It's like petroleum. Jelly. It is like petroleum jelly, but it used to like. <laughs> I it used to be even stronger. I swear to God. Anyway, so you're putting chapstick on thirty to forty times a day. Do you have the driest lips in the world? What's going on over there? I'm looking up the Carmax addiction. Uh, No, well, so Jeremy and I live on top of a mountain. Oh, yeah, okay. That's about, you know, negative 2% humidity. And you come here and it's a desert, so. Yeah, so it's it's wicked dry up there. And if I am not constantly slathering myself like a marinated steak, then I will be extremely dry. So I keep lip balm on all the time. But then I also keep water bottle, notebook and pen. Uh, I keep my... Uh, it's either two books because everyone knows the worst thing that can happen is when you're almost done with a book and you have to go somewhere and you're like, oh, well, I don't want to just bring that book because I might finish it and then I'll be bookless. Sure. So you carry two in the backup book. So I either do that or I bring a book in my Kobo, mm-hmm. which I love and I always have stocked with either library books or ARCs or both. And so my book goes in my book bow 
uh, case, and then my Kobo goes in another book bow case. Um, and so anything, but anything more than that, and it's too heavy, anything more than two books or a book and a Kobo is too much for me to carry around. Your, does your book bow have zippers too? Uh, the one of them does, one of them doesn't. They added the zippers, yeah, so the early book bows did not. New book bow does. Yeah, it is fantastic. Yeah. Um. So what with all these things that we need, that we need to carry around, what features are you looking for in a book bag? What's the ranking system you want? What features do you think make a book bag superior? Well, I would start with or inferior. It's placement in my house. Is it <laughs> is it easy to find? You said the same thing about the bookmarks. I know that's true. Is it? Where is it? I found it. This is the superior bag. That is how I feel. Um, I have a lot of two pur- a lot of cur- purses. They are not superior because they don't have the room. So I will say capacity is important to me or um, storage capacity is important to me. Aesthetics is important to me. So the bags that I keep around that are easy and also easy to find are usually good storage, good aesthetics. And probably can make it in the wash. So I think that that durability is important. Mm-hmm. Oh, I but do honestly, like the ability to throw it in the wash. Gotta throw it in the wash because you never know what's going to happen. You're putting it's it back. on the floor in yeah. the restaurants. You gotta, yeah. Yes, you got to. Yes. I wash that book had those, had those hooks, purse hooks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember, oh, man, I would always see those on like infomercials. They were like cool purse hooks. Oh, where you would bring your own purse hook. Yeah. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, that's like a made for TV kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um. But I will say the most important thing is convenience. Is it sitting by the door so and already the, has my shit in it? That's the sixth uh, uh, quality assessment is that if how close is it to you right now? But as you're trying to get out the door, which is the most hardest thing I ever do all day is get is leave my house. Uh, what about <laughs> you? What is What makes one superior or inferior? Uh, I mean, I like high marks on all of these. I like a, a sturdiness. I love a thick canvasy material. I hate... I, I hate the thought of, like, a thin uh, tote bag where I have to, like, put the book down and it's going to get, you know, damaged in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I me I need medium, I guess, non-book capability. I don't like carrying around too much other stuff. Um, comfort, obviously, is nice. Aesthetic is nice, but it's easy for me because I, I like all black everything. Um, storage capacity, I don't want to book bag that's too big because I'm one of those people that will I will expand to fit my container mm. and if I have a bag that is too big I'm gonna put books in there and I'm like oh it doesn't look like enough you like water or no, gas which one expands to fit its container gas gas yeah I'm gonna be like oh that doesn't look like it's like when you have a when you go to a cookout and you they have really big plates and you're like this doesn't look like enough food it's barely filling up any of the plate I gotta yeah. put more on there time so, with packing like if, yeah. like whatever bag I choose I will fill it up when I'm going somewhere yeah so that's why I don't want to have a bag that's too big if I had an Ikea bag I would be truly in trouble but you know what I really look for just imagine you walking around with one of those <laughs> hauling blue beh- dragging behind me or the yellow giant, ones oh, you know the crinkly ones yes. so crinkly yeah dragging it behind me as I have an entire entire library's worth of books uh, the thing that I think makes a book bag superior is a flat bottom <laughs> Sean just made a really funny face Um, because without a flat bottom, a bag is usually not wide enough at the bottom and it makes it more difficult to get books in and out. Maybe that's a seventh assessment is like how easy it is to get a book in and out of it. Mm. Um, I actually I bought a really cute book bag from a company I won't name and it was like a little shoulder bag that was like vegan leather and it looked Mm. all like academic. It was cute, but it was not zipper. It was buckle. Oh. And it was such a pain in the yeah, ass to do uh, to do and undo the buckles that it was high marks on everything else that I was like, I stopped using it because mm. I was like, I don't feel like undoing the buckles or I would not feel like doing them and then it would be flapping open. Mm. Um, but a 
tote bag, a zip up tote bag with a flat bottom, which I have. Flat bottom bags. Flat they bottom make bags. Make the world go round. Make the rocking world. Um, this, that's the title of this episode. So it's wider on the bottom. It's, you get so much more space. I think that's why my bag can hold more books than I think than it looks like it can. It's because it's flat on the bottom, and it really. It's like that girl. It's the the um, no that phrase like ooh. That book bag, she's that girl. I don't know. That's what a that new. Is. That's a new phrase. What is the new phrase? Like mean? when something's really great, it's like, ooh, it's that girl. She's that girl. It's that girl. Oh, that okay. new boba place. It's that girl. It's that girl. Yeah. But who is it? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's just like you know that phrase. It's like ooh, that girl. You just because you're saying it over and over again doesn't mean I know what it means. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool, Bria. Oh, it's a phrase. People, young people are using. Yeah, young people are using. They're saying it's that girl. Yeah, the, a flat bottom bag is it's that not, girl. It's not who is she? No, or the, you. I mean, they're interchangeable. Who is she? Is what I know. Who yeah. is she? You see a flat bo- bottom bag and you're like, who is she? Okay, but it's that girl is also the same yeah. thing. But it really, I mean, that's so. I I would recommend, and I actually think the uh, uh, quick plug the some of the some of the tote bags sold in the Reading Glasses Void Merch store have flat bottoms, because that's gonna give you it's gonna give you more storage. Flat bottom bags, they make your rockin' world. What is it? That's it. Yeah, they that's hold it. on rockin' books. Go. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sean is ready to walk into the sea right now. Uh, but a flat bottom gives you more storage capacity, mm. more comfort, not more non-book capability, and more sturdiness. I think it's pretty both of you are ready to kill me. <laughs> Who is she? <laughs> what is it? Who's that girl? In in conclusion, that is what I think makes a book bag superior. That and the zip top. You need a zip top, flat bottom. That's the that's the perfect book bag for me. But you can send your thoughts on what the ideal book bag is to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. Before we interview author Kelly J. Ford about her new queer southern crime novel, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by my best friend, Soylent. (laughs) Soylent is the original food tech company, and it makes delicious and nutritious nutrition products in convenient formats. If you listen to the show, you probably know that I'm obsessed with the Complete Meal. It's a convenient, ready-to-drink shake and also powder formats, but I like the shake. Provides 20 grams of plant-based protein, 39 essential nutrients, healthy fats, all kinds of good stuff uh, in one delicious serving. I don't like eating breakfast be honest, I don't like eating food at all. If I could just plug myself into the wall, I would be happy with that. But I can't do that yet. Technology is not there. The next best thing is Soylent. It is the quickest, easiest meal on the planet. There is no cooking. There is no cleanup. It is complete balanced nutrition made from U.S. grown sustainable source ingredients. So it's good for you and good for the planet. Unlike a lot of other protein or meal shakes out there, it does not taste like a bunch of chalk. It actually is really good. The vanilla one is my favorite, but they also have, of course, chocolate, chai, uh, strawberry, banana. They have all kinds of great flavors. They're perfect for breakfast, which is what I like to use them for, or lunch. Anytime you need a nutritious meal that's delicious, you don't need to go to a drive-thru. You don't need to go anywhere. You just open the cabinet and crack one open. If you hate to cook like me, you are totally covered with this. Uh, it's really quick. It is really easy. It is my preferred breakfast. And if you don't want to shake, they also have the Soylent Squared, which Bria loves. It's basically a small little 
snack bar. It's 100 calories with complete nutrition that could be taken on the go, eaten as, as a snack, maybe as a little treat. It's wrapped up so you don't you can put it in your book bag and not worry about it melting all over your stuff. Uh, in addition to the complete meal shakes that I love, they also have complete energy, which my boyfriend loves to drink. Um, it's a really cool energy drink with all kinds of good stuff for your brain and working. There's also the complete protein, which I also like, uh, which has 30 grams of complete plant-based protein. Uh, so sometimes I drink those after I work out. We're a Soylent household here and we're a Soylent podcast here, reading glasses. We love it. It really uh, helps me balance my nutrition every day in such a quick and easy way. I'm not trying to rhyme. I just really love Soylent. So go to Soylent.com slash glasses and use code glasses to get 20% off your first order. That's Soylent.com slash glasses and code glasses for 20% off. 20%. That's a lot. Soylent.com slash glasses glasses. Hey, glassers. There's something really exciting happening. It is so exciting. It might be the most exciting thing that's ever happened to reading glasses besides us getting slide whistles. What is it? It's StoryFest. StoryFest is back in person and it's bigger than ever. It is a multi-day genre-spanning literary festival now in its fifth year. In fact, it is the largest literary festival in the state of Connecticut. It's a celebration of story in all forms and storytellers from across media. It's where you can hear award-winning and debut authors talk about their work and books they have coming out this fall. And the best thing is, it's free. It's back and bigger than ever. It has been virtual for the past couple of years, but they are back in person. More than 40 authors will be featured at StoryFest. It's September 9th and 10th at the Westport Library in Connecticut. So that's September 9th and 10th. It's coming up real quick at the Westport Library in Connecticut. There's a weekend full of, we got panels. We got signing special events, including a live episode of the podcast that you are listening to right now with me and Bria. We got Saeed Jones. We got Isaac Fitzgerald. We got Naomi Novik, Stephen Graham Jones, Paul Tremblay, Alexis Henderson, Clay McLeod Chapman, Elizabeth Kanyas, Julia Phillips, Ellen Datlow, Eric LaRocca, and so many more authors. We are so excited. And again, remember, everything is free. Uh, There's a big event on Friday night. Um with uh, a conversation between Saeed Jones and Isaac Fitzgerald. Um, And there's a party beforehand featuring drinks and snacks. Uh, And then the next day, Saturday, there's all the panels and signings and fun stuff. And it's capped off with a big event. That's right. Like I said, live episode. First time Bria and I have ever recorded a live episode of the show. It's going to mean me and Bria and some of our glasser favorites. We got a virtual appearance by Sarah Gailey. And then we have in person Paul Tremblay, Stephen Graham Jones, Alexis Henderson, Clay McLeod Chapman, and Rachel Harrison. Oh my God, folks, this is going to be so fun. I have planned out and written something really special and a little bit spooky for this episode. It is absolutely going to be a blast. There's going to be a reception as well that night, which will feature signature drinks and snacks. I mean, why would you not want to hang out with Bria and I, see all these amazing authors for free and get drinks and snacks? It truly sounds like bookish heaven. So this year, maybe more than any other, we are looking to return to a sense of the familiar and a sense of community. So you can join us for this fifth annual celebration of reading, writing, ideas, and community by going to westportlibrary.org. So that's westportlibrary.org. There's a link in the show notes. And sign up for the event. Again, folks, it's free. Why would you not want to go to a big 
free book party with all these amazing authors. Come out and see us wherever you are in New England. You can drive to maybe if you're really ambitious, you can even fly if you're in another part of the country. But we would love to see you. We already know that there's going to be a bunch of glassers there. We really can't wait. It's going to be the best best event of the year for us, for sure. So that's westportlibrary.org, westportlibrary.org. Glasses. Hey there, it's Annabelle Gerwich. And I'm Laura House. We host Tiny Victories, the 15-minute podcast that's about the little things. Getting into the tiny victory frame of mind is about recognizing minor accomplishments and fleeting joys. Isn't it a wonderful day when the first password you try actually works? When it's freezing cold outside and toasty as all get out in my shower, my tiny victory is that I turn off the water and get on with my day. We can't change this big dumb world, but we can celebrate the tiny wins. So join us on Maximum Fun or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get tiny! So here we are with author Kelly J. Ford. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be talking with you. I, I think we met at, what was it? This I think it was, Ar- was it Arkansas. <laughs> yes, this hilarious conference that I don't even think exists anymore, somewhere in Northwest Arkansas. And you were so fun to meet. And uh, yeah, so... I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I am so happy to have you on Reading Glasses. Your books are amazing. But before we talk about your books, I have to ask, what are you reading? Well, right now, I'm I'm one of those people who reads a lot in different places, and I'll pick it up, put it down. So this might be all over the place. But um, currently, I'm reading Siren Queen by Nevo. Oh, my God. Bria just read that recently, and she loves it. I mean, the cover alone. How can I? I didn't even look to see what it was about i'm like this is i'm picking this up um so yeah you know chinese american woman coming of age pre-code hollywood salt tell me you're like i don't need to know anything about the plot just give me that i don't i'm i i love covers if if it's a great cover it's it's for me that's how i choose books truly um but i'm also i'm trying to read a bunch of books the anthony nominated books um because i'm heading off to VoucherCon early September. So right now I just started uh, Clark and Division by Naomi Hirahara. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Um, yeah, I hadn't heard of it. And I was like, how did I not know about this? So I'm, I'm happy for it. But it's about a young woman. She's searching for the truth about her sister's death. But it's set against the mass incarceration of Japanese Americans during World War II. So fascinating. Um, historical fiction, but also a mystery and a I really love that kind of literary slash cross-genre books. They get me every time. Fantastic. That sounds wicked, wicked good. Speaking yeah. of wicked, wicked good, which I know because you are have lived part of your life in Boston, so I can say wicked good uh-huh. to you. Uh, can <laughs> That's you- right. I forgot if you're yes. from there. Uh, yes. Can you tell us about your new book, Real Bad Things? Yeah. So Real Bad Things is about a woman who confessed to her stepfather's murder 25 years ago, but she was never charged. Um, so she returns home to do her time once his body is dragged from the lock and dam due to 
immense flooding. And so, um, but it's not that simple because it's a mystery. <laughs> so other secrets come to the surface that threaten to expose some people she loves. So it's a little bit gritlit, a little bit rural noir, and a whole lot of queer and crime. Oh <laughs> <Hell> yes. <laughs> Desire, because I love romance. <laughs> uh, well, so speaking of, so something of a, a lot of our listeners love is, quote, unhinged gay shit. And it sounds like this book fits the bill for that. I hope so. <laughs> I, I would like to change my author brand to unhinged queer shit. Um, yeah, I love that. That's that's the stuff that's so fun to write. So my books definitely fit the bill because they're not characters that do the right thing hardly ever. And I think that especially with queer fiction, we've had so many of those books where you get the happy endings, the happily ever after, the coming of age, a lot of the trauma. And those books are so important, but a lot of them are also young adult as well. And I've always just been interested in honestly just desire and crime. And that's an intoxicating mix for me as an author. And I want to write these characters who are just not great people all the time because I think that's more true to life and they're just fun to write and those are the characters I like to read. I love to read about unhinged people. People <laughs> who are perfect, I absolutely do not trust them. I'm like, there's something Stepford going on with you because it's <laughs> not normal. So yeah, I, I won't necessarily read the happy books as often. I like dark shit. I like psychological insights into characters that really delve into what makes people tick and kind of what their turning points were in their lives that made them the people they are and then put them into just some batshit crazy Arkansas <laughs> situations. Yes. Well, it's, it's honestly something that we get asked for a lot on the show is that people who are looking for queer fiction are like, please give me queer fiction that isn't YA. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. And if you want, I don't know if you've heard it before or reviewed it but um want some unhinged gay shit that's so good is um bath house by pj vernon i have not read that <laughs> i mean writing that the down book right title now is bath house so go from there um it's incredible um so yeah I, i'm sure i'll think of more maybe i'll send you a list after but yeah, oh, yeah i mean so it's a little bit harder to find the adult queer fiction that's not necessarily you know based in trauma yeah like we do the trauma but it's more, we put our characters metaphorically up the tree and throw rocks at them and just have <laughs> such a good time doing it. So it's not necessarily, oh, here's this terrible gay bashing, which is, of course, terrible, but kind of moving beyond the traditional narratives that have been told about queer people. and exploring. You want the queers to do the bashing. Yeah, yeah. I want to do some bashing. You know, in on paper, <laughs> on not paper, in real life, course. of course. Legal, I'm no longer in college. I don't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no more bar fights um, at discotheques and Little Rock. <laughs> Alboy discotheques, no less. <laughs> well, spe so, so speaking of uh, Little Rock, so you said in a past interview that you channel your feelings about the South best through fiction. Uh, mm -hmm. What feelings and ideas were you tapping into for this new one, Real Bad Things? You know, talking about unhinged gay shit, I feel like Southern crime is totally unhinged. Um, it's often, and maybe it's not even about so much Southern but just these small towns, these small communities, right? So 
But Southern crime in particular, basically the only joke I ever remember is um, the one about, you know, what's the difference between a Northern fairy tale versus a Southern fairy tale? And it's, you know, Northern fairy tales begin once upon a time, blah, blah, blah. But Southern ones start, y'all ain't going to believe this shit. (laughs) Wow, that is so good. (laughs) And of course, you know, it's like that typical Southern, you know, Yankee bashing. But there's something about it that's really um, different and funny. And I think that, you know, I, I grew up basically hearing all these stories around a fire from my dad and my uncle and grandmas and grandpa. And so I'm so used to taking in really odd stories. Like my dad will send me the weirdest things over text. So honestly, you know, real bad things comes out of some of that. And I didn't even realize this until after I had talked to my dad at some point and I was like, oh, this book is about this. And he's like, yeah, I told you that. And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) He's like, I better be in the acknowledgements for this. Oh, trust me, he is. You know, it's it's very much, my dad is very much the person I go to for weird ways to die in Arkansas. (laughs) Because he's, he's lived a very full life and he's known so many people and, I mean, I think you truly cannot make this shit up for a lot of the things you hear about. And there's so many criminals in my own history, and only a couple of them actually went to jail. (laughs) The other ones, it's just like, oh, yeah, they never found the body. It's like, okay, cool. <laughs> but he deserved it, Kelly, so it's okay. Yeah. Um, so, well, that, that it's interesting because I, I feel like the only uh, area, like the only directional area, compass area that I, I feel associated specifically with crime fiction is the South. You know, mm-hmm. you don't really hear about like, well, there's e- Eastern crime fiction, Northern crime fiction, and Southern crime fiction is such a distinct thing. Is mm-hmm. is that wise? Because it's just so off the, off the rails. It's part of it, but I think, It's also due to, you know, geography, the Civil War, the type of people who inhabit that um, area, and a lot of the generational trauma that comes from, you know, being an ancestor of such trauma. Yeah. So I think that's what makes it a little bit different. There's there's that darkness and that decay that I think a lot of people associate with Southern Gothic, mm-hmm. where it's all about deterioration and decay. And I think that really speaks to the Southern experience. I mean, all you have to do is look at, you know, the current political climate and how, um, you know, the conservative and Christo-fascist, sorry, I'm going there, um, are kind of- You can go there on this show. Over um, a region and because of things like redistricting and, you know, voting problems, it seems like it's this one large region of white conservative assholes. And it's not. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of queer people there. There are a lot of people of color there. And so um, I think people also write off the South. Um, So I think in some ways, me writing queer fiction, queer Southern fiction is kind of fighting against that, almost like the glass ceiling of it and saying, hey, you know, I personally am not still there but I was someone who was there. I had to get out and there are people still there. Um, we exist. I mean, that is, I can't think of a better reason to write a, a, a novel like Real Bad Things. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Hell yeah. 
we're here. We're going to murder you. Yeah. <laughs> and bury you in the river. <laughs> That's fucking right. I'll piss us off. <laughs> so you said earlier that you love picking books with by cover. Do you have, like, what is in your reader wheelhouse? Besides a good cover, are there any subjects, tropes, themes that will always get you to pick up a book? Oh, my God. Old Hollywood. Nice. I mean, that's why I picked up Siren Queen, right? Mm-hmm. So anything old Hollywood, it, I'll devour that. Um, it reminds me of a lot of just lying on my grandma Sue's bed in the middle of just Ricefield, Missouri, um, visiting her on the weekend or whatever. And she collected these old Hollywood true crime that she had. She already had it. And then a lot of cosmopolitan. So it was this nice mix of glamour and crime. And oh God, I just ate it up. And so anytime I see that, um, like I loved the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Oh yeah. Big reading glasses pick. I love it. God, it was so good. Um, yeah, so it gets me every time. Fantastic. So where can listeners find you online? And Real Bad Things comes out this week. This the episode that the Yes. But when by the time this episode drops, it has come out. It's been out for two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people get it? Are you doing any events? Yeah, I'm not doing a ton of events. Um, mainly just, you know, still working through the pandemic, obviously, like mm-hmm. a lot of people. But um I do have one in-person event at at Harvard Bookstore in Cambridge, Mass. Um, they've been my favorite indie forever, and I've spent a lot of money there, so they're <laughs> hosting me again. So I'm really grateful for that. And then um, I'll be at BoucherCon in Minneapolis, the mystery convention, and um, reading a light noir at the bar. But other than that, mainly just podcast and such. Um, I should probably do more things, but... But you're working on a new one. I'm working on a new one, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Oh, and I do have I do have one event in Fort Smith, Arkansas at Bookish. Um, and Fort Smith is my hometown, and they did not have an indie bookstore when my debut came out. So I'm thrilled to be uh, reading there in November with another Arkansas author whose book is Don't Know Tough by Eli Craner. It's so good. It's super dark. It's football. It's pure Arkansas. Um, so I'm reading with him. But otherwise, folks can find me at Twitter, Instagram. I'm Kelly J. Ford and some variation. And then um, my books are available through Bookshop, at your local store if you request it, <laughs> and through Amazon, of course, IndieBound. Awesome. Kelly, this was an awesome interview. Thank you so much. Time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Amanda writes in, I moved to a new state in August 2020. While I was able to get a temporary card from my local library, I could not get an official one until summer 2021. I didn't notice this until earlier this year, but it turns out my library card expires in the year 2120. I don't know if this was an accident or on purpose, but it seems weird to have a library card that expires in 98 years. My reading problem is this. Due to life circumstances, I'm moving to another state later this year. Do I call my current library to follow up on this and possibly risk losing my lifetime library or just go with the flow and continue to check out digital books from this library for the rest of my life. If the latter, will I be committing a book sin? In an older episode, you told a listener that since they were at one point part of that community, it wasn't a book sin, but is it still considered lying to a library? Help. Bria, you want to read Amanda's wheelhouse? Sure. Poetry, specifically haiku, British narrators, zombie apocalypse from an animal's perspective, 
very specific perspective. Fairy tale retellings, big glasser, big glasser oh. category. Mm-hmm. Fantasy, vampires, and children's books that I wish were around when I was growing up. Thank you for all that you do, and I enjoy the show. What do you think Amanda should do with this illicit library card? Uh, Soon to be. First illicit. of all, I don't know if you can lie to an. I guess you can lie to an institution. <laughs> I, I like that that she's concerned about a lying to the library. It's like you're going up to a building and being like. But like it's gonna be like, hello, Amanda. Yeah, no, Amanda. Have you lies? Have you told? It's like Santa. Um, uh, I'm gonna say we have a lot of readers on the show. It's shocking. We have a lot of readers on the show who have uh, who listen to the show who have multiple library cards and mm-hmm. reserve at multiple libraries. Some of them might be in this room. Yes, and personally, I think this is fine. Um, I, I'm gonna give you a pass here. I'm gonna absolve you of your sins. I don't think you're lying to the library. I think you are. Look, you were once a part of this community. You may end up back in that city. So I think that that is, like, don't don't worry about it. The library is not sitting there going, like, this person. They don't have I, a tracker on you. They don't, yeah, they, they don't know where you're living. You may come back to that city and need to get a book or something. Yeah, it's um, like I keep, um I always keep my subway cards whenever I go somewhere and get yeah. one. Because you never know when you're going to be back and you need it. Exactly, exactly. So you might need it. And I so I don't think you, you should call them and let them know you're moving. Also, I don't think they care that you're moving. I think they really. They're going to be like, congratulations, have fun. the least of, least of their concerns. They probably would tell you to keep the card, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that for sure. Librarians may be screaming at me right now. Um, and I also think, like we've said on other shows, I mean, commun- I think you are still a part of that community, that library community in some way. It definitely you- pumps up their circulation numbers. P- pumps up those circulation numbers. If you're concerned that you're getting books before people who actually need them in that community, maybe that library doesn't have, you know, many books and you're getting those books earlier than the one library you're living in. I mean, like, take that into consideration. But if you're just... You know, occasionally you you already have maxed out at your library, and you're like, I also want to get uh, the Kim Stanley Robinson book that takes place in uh, 2320 when my library card r- runs out. What is that <laughs> book? I've, I don't know. Uh, anyway, there's a book where, like, Manhattan's, like, underwater, um, which is about when your library card runs out. <laughs> um, uh, then, I I mean, I, I look, this does not bother me. Mallory, is it bothering you? Does it th- I mean, I think people... Sometimes you have multiple library cards, and a lot of our listeners do. And I think, here's what I'm going to tell you about Amanda. Probably never going to use that library card. We'll feel too too guilty because they're writing into the show about this. But I think that, uh, you know, I absolve you of this guilt. I don't think you need to worry about returning this card. I think you don't need to let them know where you're located. You don't have to let your local library know where you're located. Uh, And I think you can also, if you... Just checking in. If you need a book from that library, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I think, you know, go with God. Do do whatever is easiest. Is that what they say after the priests absolve you of things? The closest I've ever come to that is watching Fleabag, and I feel like that's probably not the best. First of all, you have, you have sex with your priest. <laughs> Isn't that what she does on Fleabag? <laughs> no, she. Tr- oh, yes, she does. Oh, wow. Spoilers for Fleabag. Oh, but, sorry. Uh, Take that out. Sean okay. <laughs> refuses. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, what do you think this person should do, Mallory? Well, first of all, I think it probably wasn't a mistake. A lot of libraries oh, yeah, no. give out library cards for life. Yeah. Um, like some, like ours, the Los Angeles Public Library, have you renew them every few years? I just renewed mine. Um, but others are a one and done sort of deal like i mean everyone's going to die so they maybe give it to you everyone a library card that's lasts 100 years and you know if you last longer than that then, then you can renew it but i think that's a I, safe I like the bet idea for that them. they give you one that's you know for life but then they like hand me mine and they're like 
it's only for the next five years. And I'm like, why is that? And they're like, we know something you don't. (laughs) Somebody write that book. Um, I agree with Bria. I do not think Amanda needs to call the library. Um, We've talked about this on the show before, but if you're feeling guilty, you can make a donation to that library. Remember, again, you're pumping up those circulation numbers. Also, I... Amanda doesn't know how the library in the new place is going to be. Maybe Amanda gets a new library card and this new library is better, has more um, uh, books that Amanda wants to check out. You know, it might be just as good. Yeah, and I think, like, I mean, look... I don't vote in cities that I don't live in, but there are cities that I feel very like, uh, like Portland and Austin, I feel very like close to those cities. And like, I feel like I'm a part of those communities in some way because I have family there or I like lived there for like a big part of my life. And so like, I think the idea of like being a part of this local community because of the internet, because of the way our lives are so changed so often and we move from place to place. I, I just think that you, that the idea of you being a part of this library's community can change depending on how involved you are with it. Like, if I'm going to look at this one library's website every day and following what the librarians are reading, but I don't live in that community, I think I'm a part of that community, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I, I totally understand that feeling. Yeah. Uh, so, Amanda, we absolve you of your books in that you have. I love that Amanda hasn't even committed a book sin yet, no. but is preemptively. Isn't that like a thing that, can you do that? Can you like preemptively, uh, get i don't know what the bible word is get um absolution from a sin that you haven't committed can you be absolved of a sin you haven't committed yet we i should text ross from oh no I ross and carrie ross ross or carrie would know no i don't think you can be like i'm about to go commit this sin i think you no i don't think- oh i feel like i saw some movie where really? a guy was gonna go like murder someone and he had to go to the church first and be like hey can you clear this for me Really? I feel like that. God. It's like a getting a like a credit. It's like, like getting a loan. Like, <laughs> it's like he's getting, getting some God bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's getting some God credit. Sean's saying no. All right. Uh, I've never heard of it. I'm gonna. I should. I should. I should. We should ask uh, Ross or Carrie from Ono Ross and Carrie. Like they would know. Some sort of Boston Irish Catholic <laughs> mob, mob church. Bo- Sean is saying it sounds like a Boston mob thing, and that might be the case. Maybe it was a Boston mob movie. Maybe it's something we only do in New England. I don't know, but I think uh, regardless, Amanda, you're okay. You have not yet committed a book sin, but I think you're going to be all right. But I would encourage you to check out the new library where uh, where you're moving to. Get a get a card there and uh, get involved with that literary community. You might like it just as much, and you might not even have to worry about it. You know, mm-hmm. and if you ever return to this place, you can use your old library card um, until you turn until you maybe you maybe if you live to be 100 and whatever, you'll you, you'll have to go to renew it. But I don't think you're going to have to worry about that for a really long time. You don't know. You don't know what kind of life she's living. <laughs> maybe maybe it is a vampire. <laughs> That's why Amanda has to move all these different places. Uh, oh, wow. That would be really funny for like an immortal being to get a library card that expires in 100 years. And they're like, like oh, I really do have to so renew it. Annoying. Mm-hmm. Um all right. Well, if you want us to solve your reader problem or absolve you of any bookish sins, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, you can buy all kinds of cool stuff. You want to wear a book slut shirt like all the a bunch of cool glassers we saw in uh, the Max Fun Zoom parties we had this past week. You want a cool reading glasses mug. You want a tote bag with a flat bottom that says, ask me what I'm reading. You know that you do. <laughs> Head our, on over to our Void March store. There's all kinds of cool stuff there it's linked in the show notes and it directly supports brian and i when you do that it, we, we get a check every month and it helps us pay our bills and really means a lot to us and you look to, you get to look sexy
sexy and bookish. And if you like the show and you don't want to spend any money, but also would like to help us, you can go and rate and review us on the podcast listening app of your choice. It's really great for us and makes a huge difference besides making us feel good. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading.